tilt in favor of her. I think it's a good thing. Today we're starting a new series uh, called Transformation, How God Changes Us. And our theme verse for this series is going to be Romans 12, 2. Some of you know this one by heart. Uh, and if you don't know this one, I'd recommend you memorize it this week. It's, it's a simple verse, but it simply goes like this. Let's, let's read it aloud together. It's on the screen. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the ruin of your mind. I couldn't even get the word renewing out without stumbling over the word. Let's, can we do it again together? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice that God wants you to be a nonconformist. Do not conform, he says, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, which says you'll either be conformed or you'll be transformed. Um, conforming actually starts when we're very young. Uh, author, Christian author Sky Jathani talks about how his kindergartner daughter came home with a homework assignment. Can you imagine homework in kindergarten? But uh, it was basically the parents were to help their child identify as many logos as possible. And without hesitating, their daughter was able to identify all kinds of logos, Pizza Hut and Target and Lego and, and McDonald's. And as part of her assignment, she collected logos of, of Disney and Jell-O and Goldfish Crackers and Jathani reflected on this whole experience of watching her, her, his daughter's enthusiasm around all these corporate logos. He said, should it scare me that my five-year-old memorized more corporate brands than Bible verses or even names of relatives? <laughs> I mean, no one taught her to identify logos. We didn't have corporate logo flash you know, card drills at home. Our daughter internalized these logos simply by living for five years in a brand-saturated culture. By the way, this uh, brand marketing is so effective that by the time a, a kid reaches the age of 10, they'll have memorized 300 to 400 brands. Uh, brand marketing is so effective that, that they've done studies on McDonald's, just to give them as an example. If they take fruit and they take the identical fruit and put one fruit there just presented normally, and, and they put the other fruit, and they wrap it in a McDonald's wrapper, a child will find the fruit that was in the McDonald's wrapper tastes better. <laughs> it, it's, not, it's the same fruit, but put it in a, in a McDonald's wrapper in that brand-marketed, you know, thing, and, and, and they love it more. So we see how, from a very young age, there's this great pressure on all of us to conform. But God created you and created me to be unique. You are like no one else. You have uh, a handprint and a fingerprint and a heartbeat. You've got a voice print that, that, that is unique. God does not make clones. And, and God says, I don't want you to be conformed to anybody else's idea of you. Yet so often, we kind of start out as originals, but we end up as copies. We get conformed and pressured and pushed into a mold. And so during the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at seven key areas of our lives and, and the kind of changes that we need to make and can make because of God's power in our lives to lead us to become who God has uniquely crafted you and I to be. And, and we'll consider a, a core tool today just to introduce this series. We'll look at a tool that God has given us in order to, to sort of walk out this journey of transformation. It's a simple tool. Something that, that you wouldn't think maybe you'd hear about in church, but it's the, it's the idea of setting goals for your life. It's very, very clear in Scripture. 
that if you want to see change in your life, goal setting is going to be an important part of that. And so I want to begin by giving you six reasons that we need to, to learn how to set goals in our life. Before we do, let's just pause for a moment. Let's, let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us during this morning's message. God, we, we come and, and invite you just to open our ears and our, open our eyes. Give us a, a hearts that are receptive to hear what you want to speak to us today, Lord. Father, we believe that you want to change each of us. We talked about that last week, that you want us to grow. And so I pray you might identify those, those areas where we can be responsive to your invitation. And would we hear that invitation today? Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So six reasons from, from Scripture why you need to set goals for your life. The first is this. Goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. Uh, I'd say we probably don't think of it this way, but goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. I mean, you know, God has set goals. God has goals for the universe. God has goals for planet Earth. God has, has goals for history and for eternity. And certainly, God has goals for your life. Jesus had goals. He was often telling his disciples, we're going to be doing this. This is what's going to be happening in this next phase of, of my ministry. He would have these plans that he would unpack. And, and, and pretty much every person who ever walked with God in the Bible, you can find examples of being goal-directed. Let me give you just one example. Uh, Apostle Paul, Philippians 3.12 says this, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see how, how goal-oriented the apostle Paul was. He, he says, I haven't arrived at my goal. I, I, I haven't yet reached my goal. I press on toward the goal. Why is it so important to set a goal? Well, because it's a spiritual responsibility. It's, it's part of being good stewards of the life that, that God has given each of us. We, we go through life, and we kind of tend to go either one of two ways. We go by design, or we go by default. We'll either set goals, we'll kind of be intentional with our lives, or other people like the business brands, they're out there. Others will kind of decide. You'll, you'll conform to their way. Uh, if, you, if you don't have any goals, you'll kind of abdicate the control of your life. It's, it's kind of like you go through life reacting, um, not being proactive. If you don't have, have, have clear goals for your life, you're coasting. And when you coast, where do you always go? Downhill, right? And so by nature, we do that. And so we we can think of goal setting as a spiritual priority, even as, I'd like to think of goal setting as a spiritual discipline. Um, some of you know that I, I try to occasionally get away uh, throughout my year at least two or three times for two or three days to go away to some quiet place and pray. There's a, a great place over on Bowen Island that I like to go, and I'll go up and I'll have a room to myself, and I'll, I'll sit and I'll kind of just stop. You know, I, I've, get, I've given myself permission to stop during those days, and it's been really, really good. And I'll, I'll, I'll spend a majority of my time reflecting and praying. I'll, I'll read scripture, and I'll pray. They have a prayer gathering every afternoon. I'll go and participate in that corporate prayer gathering. 
And it's interesting to me, as I reflect and pray and think about my life, as I think about my family and as I think about my church, I usually come out of that prayer time with goals. <laughs> like, I come away with new goals for my life and maybe new goals for our church and some of the things that, that we've done that have been most impactful in our congregation that, that I've had a, a part in have come out of those, those goals that have been set that came out of prayer. And so I think we can think of goal setting as a spiritual habit that we need to develop. Answering that kind of question, Father, what is it that you and I ought to be working on right now? What is it that you want to, me to work on with you right in this season of life? And so as Paul says, I set my goal, I move towards my goal, I keep my eyes focused on the goal. Secondly, goals are statements of faith. I, I know for some of us, when we hear and think about goal setting, the last thing you think about is, is church. You don't think like goal setting is something that we're talking about in church. It sounds like something from the business world or from government. It's like something that a salesperson or marketing person talks about. How can goals be a statement of faith? Well, if you are a, a believer in, in Jesus and you set a goal, what you are saying is, I believe God wants me to do such and such in, in such and such a time. That's a statement of faith. That's a, a statement of what you believe, what God might want to do in your life. And here's the thing, as, as we make goals, they have power to actually stretch our faith in God, actually. The bigger, bigger your goal, the more faith will, will be stretched. And that pleases God. In Hebrews it says it takes faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. So if you don't have any goals, you don't need any faith. And if you don't need any, any faith, you, the, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. So if I'm going to go through my, my life Without any goals, I don't need to take any risks, and if I don't take any risks, I don't need any faith, and if I don't have any faith, then what am I? I'm faithless. I'm unfaithful. See how important it is to actually consider goal setting in the various areas of our lives. Here's a very uh, faith-stretching verse in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Um, I don't know about you, but I can imagine some pretty big things. I have a, a relatively decent imagination. And, and, and it says here, far more than you could ever imagine, far greater than we ever dare ask or think. I like how one version puts it, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams. You see, you see it doesn't matter how big a, a dreamer that, that you are, God says, you, you think of the greatest thing, greatest dream that I could do in your life, and guess what? I can top that. <laughs> I, I can beat that. I can do anything far greater than you could ever ask or imagine. I, I, I'm deeply convinced that, that the way we live is a consequence of the size of our God. Um, John Ortberg, author, puts it this way. He says, the primary problem in our lives is we're not convinced that we have a fully competent, all-knowing, ever-present, utterly loving, infinitely big God. And here's what it looks like. Big God, big goal. Tiny God, tiny goal. And I'd say no God, no goal. No goal may be worth pursuing. 
Let the size of your God determine the size of your goal. Uh, we prayed off our son Caleb last week. He's, he's off to, to Cape and Ray Bible School in the United Kingdom. And uh, we got all kinds of, of, it was encouraging as we sent him off and w- with great fear and trepidation to get all these messages and pictures that he sent us about, sounds like an amazing time that he's having in, in Cape and Ray. It's like, it's like going really awesome. There's a selfie he took in front of Trafalgar Square. Apparently his uh, my wife's cousin lives like walking distance from Buckingham Palace and Trafalgar Square and, and Westminster Abbey. And so he's been enjoying this, this uh, awesome time in his days there. And uh, it's especially kind of cool that he's attending Cape and Ray Bible School because I attended to the same school, same building, same campus 29 years ago. 29 years ago, it was my parents who sent me off to Cape and Ray. And so what a cool thing to have. Uh, and, and, and you might be just thinking that his my son is conforming to his father's wishes, but uh, we'd like to think that uh, God has led him there. We gave him lots of freedom, and, and he still ended up choosing to go there. It's very, very cool. And we've had some pretty awesome conversations, key conversations before he left. One of the conversations we had uh, on the day he was leaving, the morning of, I said, Caleb, um, set some goals for yourself for this year. You're going from now till June. This is a, an amazing season. You're away, from, you're away from us. You're away from your church, away from your, your friends. You don't, you're going there. You don't know anybody at the school. Um, set some goals. Set some really great goals for yourself. And, and that led me to reflecting, and I was speaking on this topic this morning. I thought about the goals that I set for myself when I went there. And I remember uh, I'd had a friend that had gone to Cape Moraine and came back changed a guy who came back, and, and, and I would say he was a very casual Christian before he went, and when he came back, he, he had this love for God that was written all over him. And, and I, and I kind of, when I went to Cape and Ray, I said, I want to be like him when I come back. And so I, I quizzed him on what he did, and, and I realized, you know, I need to spend time with God. So I made a commitment that, that during my time at, at college, I was going to have a daily quiet time. I was going to spend daily time with God, uh, I wanted to, to get into God's Word, so I, I made a commitment to read through the entire Bible during that six months that I was there. And, and I had this just really practical goal, goal of wanting to grow in my relationship with God in, in, in real ways. It was kind of mostly spiritual goals while I was there. And while I was there, I pursued those goals. I mean, imperfect, but I mean, I set my alarm every morning. I, was in, I had a room of nine, ten roommates, and, and uh, they actually... Um, made fun of me because I was the only one in my room who actually got up early to spend time in the Bible and prayer. I was thinking, I think I, I thought everybody goes to Bible college because they're like wanting to be like supercharged Christians, and and I was in a in a room where it was it was actually you know, there wasn't much intentionality about spiritual development except for attending classes, and and, and so I just I just pressed in. I, I'm going to do this no matter what. No 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 none go with me. I'm going to do this, and I did it and. And it was hard, it was a discipline, a lot of it, but I think of it, how foundational that season was for me in my future. During that time, God showed up in my life in some pretty profound ways. There was a shift in me that stuck, a relationship with God that went from more religious, uh, you'd describe my relationship with God prior to that as being more religious, and I would say I cultivated a relationship with him during that time in, in England. I had an increased experience of God's Holy Spirit. I remember one particular moment in Holland where I experienced God touching me in a profound way uh, that, that 
dealt with some very fundamental fears that I had in my life. God addressed some fears and brought healing to me in that way. And I can remember uh, the mission trip that I went on at the end of the year where I found God confirming to me that I was to be a pastor. I found that that was where I, I heard. And my goals, I would say, were actually fairly small. I'm, I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to read the Bible. But God did for me immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine. And I'm so glad I made those goals. And what I want to say to you this morning, as your pastor and as your friend and as someone who loves you and wants to see you thrive and, and flourish, I want the very best for you. I, I, want, you to, I want to dare you to dream great dreams. I, I want to dare you to dream great dreams for your life. Let me ask you the question. When's the last time you dreamt some great, bold dreams for your life? Stop your, your puny little thinking. Stop your, your, your being in a bitty little box, you know, like, you know, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not wise enough. What, what, whatever it might be, whatever the objection is, stop all your arguments and start dreaming what God could do in your life if you would just trust him. By the way, I think there's a couple of common mistakes that we make when it comes to goal setting. You know, one is to set our goals too low. <laughs> I mean, something that we could just accomplish in our own, in our own strength, that we, could, we can do that, you know? Um, if a goal is going to be a statement of faith in a God who can do anything, does your goal actually test your faith in any way? Do you know what they say? You've you got to go out on a limb. Do you know why you go out on a limb? Because that's where the fruit is. Close to the trunk is not where the fruit is on a tree, on a fruit tree. You've got to go out on a limb. So dream big enough dreams so that you actually have to trust God to accomplish. And, and it'll be amazing what God can do in your life if you'll do that. Another common mistake is actually thinking too short-term. We need to think long-term in our goals. Um, one of our elders here at Hillside has reminded me often that we tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in one year and we underestimate what we can accomplish in five or ten. We need to be thinking long-term. So instead of thinking like tiny little goals and, and try to accomplish them instantly, my challenge is to set some, some big goals for your life and then spend the rest of your life going after them. So I'm going to encourage you when we start this series next week, full-on next Sunday, get, set one goal a week for the next seven weeks. One goal every week in each of these seven core areas that are big enough to require you to have faith. And I hope that this will be a season of dreaming for each of us and for us as a church. Third, goals focus my energy. Uh, you know, another reason that you need to set goals in your life is goals tend to, to focus your, your energy. They keep you distract, from being distracted by, by many, many things. They keep you from wasting your time or your money or your, your energy. They keep you focused. Um, think about light for a moment. You know, diffused light has virtually no power at all, but when you actually focus light, it has enormous power. The, the sun, thankfully, doesn't set things on fire because it's diffused, right? But uh, how many of you, when you were a kid, you played with a magnifying glass outside and you played with the sun rays? Any, uh, anyone set grass on fire, you know? Anybody burn bugs? I bet you some of you are bug burners. I'm just guessing. Yeah, look, yeah, wow. Surprise, surprise. Wow. 
won't mention any names. But uh, yeah, I never did anything. I was a really good kid. Um, but you, if you focus the light, the light of the sun, and it can actually start a fire. If you focus light even more, it becomes a laser, and a laser can cut through steel and, and can, can kill cancer. I mean, goals focus our energy. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 26. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Can you imagine? Picture that in your mind for a second, what an aimless runner looks like, you know? I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. <laughs> Picture that. He says, I'm not playing around here. When I box, I, I, I fight to win. When I run, I, I run to win. I, I don't run aimlessly without a goal. Some of you might be running without a goal, and so what are you doing? You're just kind of running around in circles. Now, some of you, you need to, you need to hear this truth. You don't have time to do everything. Good news is, God does not expect you to do everything. Isn't that good news this morning? I, uh, I sat down with a hillsider a couple years ago, and I, and, and, I, and, I, and I had this discussion about what they were involved with at Hillside, and we listed 18 ministries that this person was involved in in our church and outside our church. I, I, I thought, that's a little bit scattergun. I don't know if you're accomplishing anything. Let's get that, let's narrow that down. We talked about that, about refining that. See, there, there are really in our lives only a few things worth doing. And the, the key to being effective as a man of God or a woman of God is to do what matters most and, and forget everything else. Focus is key, you know. Selection. Selection is the name of the game. It's not these, these 50 things that I dabble in. It's this, this one thing that I do. The more you focus the more powerful, the more effective your life is going to be. That's why we've been investing so much in, in this last year or so in, in clarifying what our vision is as a church because we want to get laser focused. Why? So that we can actually have greater impact, that we can actually do more and accomplish more as a church. Do less but more focused. And that's why we've been doing that. So goals are statements of faith. They're also ways of focusing our energy Goals keep us going. Number four, goals keep us going. They give us help, hope, I should say, to keep moving. They give us hope to endure. They give us hope to, to push on, to persist. Let me ask you, when you are going through hell, what do you do? You keep moving. <laughs> you don't make hell your home. You don't, you don't set up shop there. You don't camp out there. You, you do everything to, to keep moving on, to keep going. And the way you do that is by having a goal beyond. We see this illustrated in the life of Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 12, 2 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. In, in other words, Jesus, he endured the cross because he looked forward to the goal and the glory set before him. He, he looked beyond the pain. He looked beyond the cost that he would pay to the payoff he looked to the joy that was beyond, to us, that redeeming the world, reconciling all things to God. We need to do this. You know, Scripture says time and time again that God wants you to have hope in your life. I have plans for you, he says, to give you hope. He wants us to have hope. And, and practically speaking, goals are one of the ways that help infuse our lives with hope. We, we, we see this in something that Job said in Job 6.11. He said, I do not have the strength to endure. 
Have you ever felt like that? I mean, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't have the strength to endure. Why? He says, I do not have a goal that encourages me to carry on. You have to have a goal that keeps you going. Um, thinking about this this week, it seems crazy to me. I have been pastor here for 18 years. 18 long years I've been a pastor. And I know it's been long for some of you too. Um, I've lost my hair in that time. I used to have hair. And then, and then to see what church life has done to me. It's just been terrible. I mean, it's not old age. It's just you guys. I'm blaming you. Um, I remember back to my first year. I, I was uh, associate here for a couple years, and then 2000 became uh, lead pastor. I'll never forget when that happened. Uh, and uh, it wasn't very long after becoming pastor, lead pastor here that I had something fairly discouraging happen. My best friend at the time, who was attending the church, was a committed leader, had been an elder, had been involved in all kinds of ministries, left the church. I mean, my first year, I'd just been appointed as lead pastor. I'm thinking, okay, you gather your, your close friends nearby, we're going to do this together. And he's like, I'm, I'm sorry, Derwin, I'm out. I mean, it was like a vote of no confidence in my leadership in a way. I, there was a lot of other factors that were involved, but the result of his leaving was a, a great sense of discouragement in my life and in my heart. I felt really, really down about that. At the same time, I can remember our leaders, we had a, a, a conflict in the church at the time that, that required such uh, attention. It was so intense at the time, and I, you know... It, it was such a discouraging season, that first year of my, my lead pastor role. I remember um, it was not, not kind of like my prayers were not like, God, I want you to build this great church. You know what my prayers were? Help me survive through this day. <laughs> that was, those were my prayers during those days. But you know what? I look back and I am so grateful. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful I didn't give up. I'm even more grateful that God did not give up on me. What kept me going through that season? It was a goal. Uh, when I got offered the job here as lead pastor, I, I prayed a long time, a long time about it. And I had God very clearly speak to me a couple of words from Exodus 33, where he said to me very clearly, lead these people. And I had a sense that I was to, to commit here to this particular congregation until God told me to move. And I've been praying often over the years, God, is this the time to move? And God keeps saying no. And, and so I've, I've, I've stayed. I, I said yes to that. I made a commitment to pastor this church and, until God led me on. So I held on to that, that commitment to that goal, even though at times every bone in my body wanted to quit. Do you know what? You know how often I, I want to quit pastoring here at Hillside? But once a week, every Monday. <laughs> Us pastors, we, serve, we, we suffer from what we call PMS, post-message syndrome. <laughs> but I keep on keeping on. Why? Because I have a goal. You know, I want to say, say this. Long-term goals keep you from being discouraged with those short-term setbacks that come our way. You know, you know what, folks? This shouldn't be a surprise to you, but everyone has setbacks. Everybody blows it. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has failures. In fact, failure is the only way you succeed. Failure rules out a lot of other options. You know, <laughs> okay, that didn't work. Let's try something new, right? Um, that's how you learn what, what works and what doesn't work. So never call it a failure. Call it an education. Let me say this. 
Some of us are highly, highly educated. <laughs> so don't give up. Don't quit. See it through. For those of you who are in that season right now, a word for you from Isaiah. Isaiah 40, 31 reminds us, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So goals keep us going, and, and the long-term goals keep us from being discouraged about short-term setbacks. And so, so goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. It's, it's a statement of faith. It focuses our energy, and it, and it keeps us going. Five, goals build my character. Uh, drifting doesn't build your character. Goal setting builds your character. Goals build your character. We talked about this last week, just how much God cares about our character development, that we would grow fully. Uh, we looked at courage and how courage for a soldier is actually formed over a thousand decisions before they ever get onto the battlefield. And you know what? The greatest benefit to our lives in goal setting is, is <laughs> in these, these key areas of our lives as we look at them this fall, the, the, the biggest benefit you're to, to your life is not going to be the, the accomplishments or the achievements you acquire because of those goals, but what happens inside of you while you're moving toward those goals. God is more interested in your character than he is in your accomplishments. You, you don't take your success or your career or your achievements into eternity. You do take your character. So God is more interested in what you are and what you're becoming than he is in, in what you do and what you accomplish and in what you succeed at. God's interested in you. So here's the idea. While I'm working on the goal, God is working on me. Does that make sense? That's what God wants to do in your life. Goals help build your character. That's why Paul says in Philippians 3.12, he says, I keep striving toward the goal. That, that word striving is, is, a, is kind of important. It means it takes effort. It takes intentionality. Uh, it, it takes energy. It takes purpose to reach your goal. And we will never become the man of God or the woman of, of God that he intends us to be unless we intend to become that person. You know, 10 years from today, uh, some of you might not be coming to church. Some of you might, might be far away from God. Some of you might go through a failed marriage. Some of you might be suffering through all kinds of problems in your life. Why? Because you never intended to be a man of God. You never intended to be a woman of God. It was just kind of casual Christianity. Maybe this, you know, maybe that. Uh, you never intended You'll never become what God intends you to be unless you are intentional. So goals actually help us to build our character. They, they help us to build our walk with God. Finally, good goals will be rewarded. This is kind of just common sense. Um, talk to anybody who sets some physical fitness goals and they lose the weight or they become healthier or more physically fit. They are eat, eating healthier. What do they say about it? <laughs> they say a lot, don't they? <laughs> They'll tell you how great it is. I feel so great. My knee used to hurt. I lost those 30 pounds, and now I can walk, you know? And there's, a, there's just some, I, I remember when, when we were first married, um, we had a lot of uh, a, a debt, a lot of uh, student debt when we got married. My parents were worried about us. That was their biggest concern. And so as a young husband, I said to my wife, I said, listen, let's just, for this short little while, let's tighten our belts, and let's do everything we can to pay down our debt. And we had a choice to live in an expensive apartment or a cheap, cheap apartment. And we chose the cheap apartment. 
And we put far more money in our early first two years of marriage into our paying down our debt than we did to living. Far more. And we managed to pay off our debt, but I mean, those, those years were hard. <laughs> but afterwards, I mean, uh, let me give you an example. Um, for us, eating out was we'd go to this hole-in-the-wall Chinese restaurant, and we would order the cheapest entree on the menu, and we would split it. <laughs> that, was, that was what we did back in the day. Well, when we got out of debt, it was so nice to go to a restaurant and actually order your own entree. That was like a big, big novelty for us. That was a very, very cool thing. But let me say this. There's an inherent reward to accomplishing and pursuing some, some good goals. You simply feel better. Good goals can be their own reward. But the real reward in setting good goals is eternal. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 says, All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. Let's be like Paul. Let's pursue a prize that's eternal, that will never fade away. Good goals pursued find their best rewards in eternity. So all this emphasis on goal setting leads us to the question, what kind of goals does God bless? Um, not, all, not every good goal is a good goal. Not every goal is worth pursuing. I, I think of uh, the kind of goals we see pursued in our culture, and we would be going, that's not worth our time. That's not worth our energy. And so how do we, we, we discover a goal that God will bless? Let me close by giving you three questions you're going to ask when you're thinking about setting a goal. First of all, will it honor God? Will it honor God? That's the first question you ask. Will this goal honor God? God says through Samuel, those who honor me, I will honor. What, what kind of goal honors God? Any goal that causes you to trust him more, love him more, serve him more, serve others, love others, to be more unselfish, those are good goals. As 2 Corinthians 5, 9, we make it our goal to please him. Now, to, to practically walk that out, how do you know whether the goal you've come up with is an on, a God-honoring goal? I, I'd like to suggest one practice is, is praying about your goals. Um, you'll need a thoughtful, prayerful reflection on the goals you come up with. I'm a bit of an ideas guy. I can come up with lots of good goals, big goals. Not all of them are good goals. A lot of them have to do about me and, and making me look great. You know, it's not making God, giving God glory, it's about giving Derwin glory. And I love how James talks about this in James 4.3. James is talking about prayer, and he says this. He says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. He's talking about motives, as in who are you trying to please? Is it for you or is it for God? It's like the, the two main characters in the film, Chariots of Fire, which featured the, the British Olympic team in the 1924 Olympics. And, and, and it really contrasts these two British Olympic runners who, who have very different approaches to their running. You, you have Harold Abrams who runs to win at all costs for his own glory. His coach says very, very astutely after they win, he says, as they're sharing a drink together, he says, we, we won this gold for us, he says. And then you contrast that with Eric Little, the other runner. Is a, he's a devout God guy who won't run on Sunday because it, it would break his Sabbath. And so he won't, uh, print, you know, he won't give up on his principles in order to accomplish his goal. He stays true to his God. He runs to honor God. And he says, as he describes his running, do you know how he describes it? Some of you will remember this. He says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. <laughs> so in seeking to honor God, we examine our motives, asking, will it honor God? Secondly, 
Is it motivated by love? Is it motivated by love? 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, everything you must do must be done with love. Chapter 14, verse 11 says, love must be your highest goal. Folks, uh, it's going to be like a bit of a broken record here at Hillside, but we're going to keep on going over this truth that we're called to love God and to love others. That's our highest goal. Love him and love each other. And uh, you, know, you know, why is it important to have our goals based on love? Because if we, get, if we actually set loveless goals, you end up treating people as objects or projects to meet your goals. We run over other people. We run over our spouses or our families or our close relationships or, or over other people climbing the ladder to success. God says, no, it's not about accomplishments. It's about relationships. It's about learning to love. Finally, will it require depending on God? Will this goal require depending on God? Look at this verse, Proverbs 16, 9 in the message version. We plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. And that's what we're talking about in, in this series is, is really intentionally planning the way we want to live, taking goal setting seriously, but remembering at the same time that only God can enable us to live it. He gives us great resources enabled to live it. We we have his spirit who empowers us to live it. We have his word that guides us. We're going to have to be in his word if we want to, to, to be able to live out these goals. And, and, and we're going to need God's people around us to support us to that. And so, so I, I challenge you again, if you're not in a, in a small group here at Hillside, this is, there's still a chance here today. You're uh, welcome to sign up at the table at the back. And we have, uh, we'd love to, to place you in that kind of, kind of group. Because honestly, folks, a crowd cannot support you but a small group can. So let me say, just uh, again, to wrap this up, this is going to be fun. I, I, I think this is going to be fun. I'm going to challenge you to engage in every way that you can in this fall series. Show up on Sundays. Show up on your groups. Uh, grab these books. There's a daily devotional that you can do and journal in, that, that leads you through some questions uh, with a reading every day that's going to be in this, this journal that you're going to be getting today. I'd encourage you to do that. Engage and watch, and, and, and you're going to grow and as I said last week, it's going to be better if we do it together. And if you do, I, I think we're going to be on the way to transformation and to see God change us. It's going to be good. I thought I'd close by showing you a scene from that very good film, Chariots of Fire. We talked about those two runners, Eric Little. And, and Eric Little has been a, a hero of my faith. He went on after winning the 1924 Olympics, the 400-meter race that you're going to see a, a, a portion of he won that race even though he wasn't qualified to run the 400. He was qualified to run the sprint. He was a sprinter, and he wins that. And then he uh, would go to China to be a missionary where he lost his life in a labor camp when uh, China basically uh, exiled missionaries and imprisoned them. And so he's been a hero to me. He's an, ex an inspiring example of somebody who pursued a goal with all his heart. He pursued a big goal for the glory of God. May we have courage and grace to do the same. Let's watch the scene. 